0: hard to comprehend what had taken place. I don't think anybody, matter of fact, at that point in time, I don't think anybody anywhere could imagine that taking place in the United States anywhere. Doesn't matter if you're a Republican, doesn't matter if you're a Democrat, you bleed the same blood. You have the same hurts. It affects your lives. We've got to pull together as a country to save our own.
1: This is Catalyst, an investigative podcast from KXAN News and Nextar Media Group. I'm Josh Hinkle. This is the Walmart that uh, I shop at. To think that uh, this happened in our community uh, is, is tragic. This is someone who came from outside of our community to do us harm. A community that has shown nothing but generosity and kindness. Mass violence wasn't the topic our team had intended for season two of Catalyst, but it quickly became the topic we couldn't ignore. We have a problem here. But my gosh, the solution is us.
2: All we could do was to try to instill hope, uh, comfort, and support.
1: Two mass shootings in Texas just weeks apart late this summer, starting in El Paso on August 3rd, 2019. This horrific act does not define our community. At this point, everything is on the table. Uh, We can't afford to have any more lives lost in Texas. For the past several weeks, we've traveled the state, tracking down survivors of attacks like this. People who are still recovering, even decades later. People who lost loved ones, like Shirlene Masterson. Hi, Hello. I'm Josh. I'm Sherlene. Nice to meet you. Sherlene lives in El Paso, not far from where our tragic timeline actually began.
0: This is my home. When I leave it, I'm always glad to get back home to El Paso.
1: 40 years of near-consistent mass shootings in Texas. I had six children. Sitting in Sherlene's kitchen, she told me how the recent shooting in El Paso brought up painful memories. People don't often talk about the city's other mass shooting at a nightclub called the Starburst Lounge. It happened on February 3rd, 1980, the night that changed her family forever.
0: And that was Randy. He was six foot six when he he wore Western boots. He was quite a cowboy. And when he talked to me, he could have his hand on the ceiling. That's how tall he was. Because when he had his boots on, he was six foot eight. So the Lord gave me 20 years. I loved that boy. So when he died, part of me died with him.
1: Randy Steele had dark hair and a smile in all of the pictures Shirlene had out on the table, one of them in a brass frame. She said she still talks to it every day. He sounds very special to you.
0: He was special, yes. I seen that boy feeding two baby rabbits at 3 o'clock in the morning on the couch with a little baby bottle, because he said, "Mum, they have to be fed every three hours. And he was got his clamp clock set for three hours. Now, that's what you call an animal lover. Mm-hmm. He had pigeons, he had ducks, two ducks. He had rabbits. He also had a horse, which we really couldn't afford. His ambition was because he loved animals, starting a farm, but he never got a chance to do that.
1: How did you learn about that night in 1980?
0: I could not sleep at night. I didn't know at that time, but I heard a lot of ambulances, and it was so close. And something bad is going on. Then it kind of went quiet. That's why I must have gone to sleep then because I didn't wake up until. My daughter, Janice, she was just little. It would be on a Sunday morning. Mommy, she said, you gotta get up. There's three men at the door. There was um, a detective and a police pastor because I noticed his white car. And he said, you have a son, Randy Wayne Steele. I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, there was a shooting last night And he said, well, eight people were shot. He said, your son is dead. And I I didn't want to hear it. And I thought, if I could run, I knew if I could run, I could run away from it. I had that horrible feeling to run. And I heard my children crying. But I knew then I couldn't run away from it. I had to stay with them. I couldn't run away from them because they needed me.
1: Shirlene Masterson's house was one stop on our week-long trip to El Paso to gather details about this case. We scoured police reports and court files in person because they're so old they're not digitized. We went to the scene of the shooting to get a sense of that night. And we tracked down people who had somehow survived.
2: The Starburst, how did you come to be there that night? That was a local hangout. It was a country and western bar. There was a dance floor and a couple of pool tables. Phil
1: Sell was 19 back then and out with a few friends.
2: I remember we were sitting at a table. that I was sitting with my back to the door. I believe they'd called last call. You know, just a couple of pops and I turned around and, you know, I, was, I got shot in the, the chin. It felt like I was hit, you know, somebody punched me, is what I thought at first, or hit me with something. And I reached up and, you know, it was, my hand was, you know, full of blood. Thankfully, I mean, it didn't, didn't hit anything vital. It, it just went through soft tissue in my chin. It entered my chin right here and came out of the front of my chin. And that's one of the reasons why I wear a beard, because I can't shave that area because it's, you know, the scar tissue.
1: That same bullet Uh, hit the woman across the table from him. She and Phil were among three wounded. Five others died.
2: You know, there were people screaming and uh, just, it was chaos. I can remember seeing bodies laying right next to me. There were three women that were laying there basically, you know, on top of each other. And I remember the, the first woman laying there with the bullet hole right dead center as I remember it in, in her forehead. And um, you know, that image for a long time, I, it was just, I, I would wake up with that, that image in my head.
1: He didn't know the shooter, but had seen him briefly in the bar earlier that evening.
2: My friend Roger um, actually took a pool cue and and I guess cleared a couple of tables running to the door and hit him, uh, I I believe it was twice, with the cue. One of the guys at the bar grabbed him, and then two other people ran over uh, and and just all subdued him. I've heard about people
1: subduing the shooter with the pool cue. Yes. And of course, your son pushed a woman out of the gunfire.
0: She did come to see me three days later. She said, I've been trying to get enough courage, ma'am, to, to tell you what Randy did. She said, I'm going to change my life. She was one of the barmaids because I've got a little girl. And Randy gave his life for me.
1: I think many people might say he was heroic, brave. Did that give you any sense of peace?
0: Yes, it did. I was so proud of that boy, you know, to save somebody. You know, his death wasn't in vain. And that made me feel a little bit better.
1: Today, research compiled on more than 300 mass shootings in the last two decades nationwide shows citizens like Randy Steele and Phil Sell's friends are indeed stopping gunmen. 10 times they've been armed with their own guns, but 40 times they've subdued the shooter by hand. Chances are their actions have saved lives, which led us to a specific type of training some Texas leaders say should be more accessible to prevent future deaths. Next time. get
2: you out of the
1: way. get you out of the way. We're taking care of the bad guy. We're doing a very good job about ending the threat. You don't always get to just choose not to defend yourself. You may be forced to have to, and if you don't, then it's over. Catalyst is reported, produced, and edited by me, Josh Hinkle, along with David Barrera, Ben Freeberg, and Arza Dost. Digital support for this episode comes from Dax Dobbs, Matt Mitchell, Robert Sims, and Kate Winkle. KXAN's news director is Chad Cross, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Glassberg.